feels it. Moxley's got Punk hooked up again. Oh man, Punk is limp. The high angle. He's Two. limp. Oh, it's over. It's over. My God, it's over. Moxley dominates Punk. What the hell just happened? Moxley dominated. And undisputed. Soon. I mean, Surprising middle part of AEW Dynamite last night, and that's where we start. Good Karma Wrestling. Welcome into another edition of GKW. I'm Gabe Nitzo from ESPN Milwaukee, joined as always by Brian Rowitz from ESPN West Palm, and one third of the uncrowned GKW Trios champions. Please to be joined by the one, the only, Jay Hood from ESPN 1000 in Chicago. And a lot of things to dive into over what should have been the main event last night, wasn't the main event, we can get into that in just a little bit, but John Moxley squashes CM Punk in the middle of AEW Dynamite last night to become the undisputed AEW champion. Yes, they did play up the angle with uh, CM Punk's foot injury. You heard Taz yelling it. Did CM Punk come back too soon? So... There's a lot here. This was supposed to be the main event of All Out, which, oh, by the way, is less than two weeks in Chicago. Are we still going to see a rematch here? What do you guys, what, what's next for these two? Are they going to run it back at All Out? Well, first of all, we are, we're settling in for our number two, and we came to find out that it's going to be Punk and Moxley. And my thought is, watching it, it's like, okay, this match will go about 20 minutes, and then we'll see the trio's semifinal match, and then we'll see what happens. I thought both matches could fit within the hour. Who knew that this match would be less than five minutes? And we knew the storyline coming in, but I think all three of us were confused of why this match had to take place in Cleveland. Why did it have to take place on Dynamite? And just out of nowhere, Moxley wins the championship. And so, bro, it's... My thought, my whole thing is, okay, so Moxley is the undisputed champion. So what does that mean for CM Punk at All Out? I mean, according to Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer, that's still going to be the match at All Out. But my question is, how? Well, how does that look? Is there stipulations? Right, and that's the thing. I agree with you. When I saw the time, I was like, oh, this is weird. But my first thought was, oh, they're going to go the hour. And it's like, oh, we don't have time for the trios match tonight. Like, we'll get to it Friday. These guys took up too much time. And I was legit shocked when it ended, when it was three minutes. It's like, wait, wait, that's it? Like, I don't understand. Like, is there going to be more later in the show? I agree with you. I don't see how we get this again in less than 10 days. And if that's the plan, like, was last night just a cheap rating ploy? And it worked. I mean, they popped a million. But, like, that's what we made fun of WWE for for years. Like, oh, rematch and rematch and rematch. It doesn't feel as special if this is happening again in less than 10 days. The one thing AEW has done well, in my opinion, is they've held off on a lot of these rematches. We've seen it used sparingly. It's not the automatic rematch that we've seen, as you mentioned, bro, it's in, in WWE. So to run this back, like I, I'm trying to picture this in the, okay, if Meltzer's saying this is the still the plan for the main event at All Out, they had to carry CM Punk off. So, you know, if that's just storyline, like in storyline, does CM Punk still come back and beat John Moxley? And if that's the case, what does it say about John Moxley? Like, there's just, 
doing this last night, if this is still going to be the main event at All Out, makes absolutely no sense to me. I can't make it make sense. Okay, so Gabe, let's let's roll it all the way back. So on the inside, we come to find out that there was a problem and a miscommunication, clearly, between Tony Khan and CM Punk and Hangman Page and uh, how all this is going to develop. You know that they were arguing back and forth. And even though CM Punk on social will say it's not a big deal, FTR will say this whole thing with CM Punk's not a big deal. There was something that was going on there with CM Punk and Moxley on how to get this done. We've talked about a lot on Good Karma Wrestling that for a shoot, Moxley does not like to be called the interim champion. He felt like he's been carrying this the whole time since Punk was uh, was put on the shelf with the injury. So he says, I'm not the interim champion. I am the guy. And so I don't know, is this Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels all over again? Is this like CM Punk saying, hey, you know what? I'll put Moxley over, but not in my hometown. Remember Bret and Shawn was like, oh, and Bret was like, I'll put Shawn over. Sure, but just not in my country. Not just not in Montreal. And then, of course, Bret screwed Bret. I don't know if, if, if that's the case also, bro. It's, is it that, that Punk did not want to drop the title in Chicago? Well, I mean, and I, I don't know because there's four or five different layers to this where there's a lot of question marks. And that's the thing. Like, And maybe it's me being naive, but, like, I would think Punk can see bigger picture and say, like, yes, like, him losing Chicago would have been a massive deal. And granted, he still might lose in Chicago, but he wouldn't be dropping the belt to where he would step back and say, hey, I don't want to be that guy, like, whatever you think. And JR said it on his podcast, I saw the quotes going around, where he has said this next few, these next few weeks, the bill out to all out, might be the toughest challenge for Tony Khan. Because we look at pay-per-views, there's not much build on this card right now. Like, yes, it's going to be one hell of a wrestling show. That's what they do. But they prided themselves on retelling. And part of the benefits of only doing pay-per-views every few months is you have that build-up. This card looks like it's all just thrown together. And that might even include the main event this uh, next week. Which brings us to a point we've been making since early this summer. Man, double or nothing, build for it was great. Pay-per-view was great. A lot of momentum coming out of there, and AEW has done nothing with it. Now, some of that's out of their control. CM Punk gets hurt. Brian Danielson gets hurt. They have a lot of injuries that they have to deal with. And now they're dealing with their women's champion being hurt as well with Thunder Rosa. So now you've got to pull a interim women's championship uh, for Fatal 4-Way that's going to end up on the all-out pay-per-view as well. So, man, they just lost. It seems like they've squashed all this momentum, and – they, they just make curious booking decisions. Like, it, I, I can't. So here's why it's so confusing. And I'm going to try to, like, articulate this the best I can. So it's confusing in a number of ways. One, let's say Punk isn't actually ready. You don't have to rush CM Punk back. Like, CM Punk is one of the more overstars that you have. Whenever he's back, he's ready. Mox has been doing a great job. Fine. So if... If you just did this to have him drop it so Mox is the full-time champ, I don't think you needed to do it. I think you could still milk, hey, I'm not the interim champ thing for a little while out of John Moxley in terms of the storyline. I think you could have continued that after All Out if CM Punk was ready. If CM Punk actually is healthy and actually is ready to go and he's fully recovered from the foot surgery, last night, not last night makes absolutely zero sense. It just well, makes zero sense as to why you would do this on regular television when you got the pay-per-view coming up. I mean, it, 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 I understand, like, okay, if, if he can't go and you just kind of protected him last night, you don't want that to be the main event of the pay-per-view. You don't want that squash match to be the pay-per-view. 
but then don't bring him back. He doesn't need to be back in order to make this happen. Well, so that's what I'm saying. So if that's the part that's true, it's like, hey, he's not healthy. He can't go 20 minutes. He can't go 10 minutes. This was, And they find out maybe he was going to be cleared the rest of 22, and this was a way to just move things forward. Does that change how you look at last night where they say, okay, we need a way to just sort of rip this Band-Aid off. We can't keep saying Fox is the interim champion because the real champ's not going to be back. Does that change how you look at last night if we find that out? What do you think, Gabe? I say no. I say no, because if you have the interim tag, if you if that's the decision and that's the way you've wanted to go, like because you what you're you're basing it off of reality, right? We see it all the time in UFC. We see it all the time about like we see it in, in combat sports where they have this interim champ. And whether you know what whenever that champ is healthy and ready to come back, they're still the champ. So whenever CM Punk's healthy and ready to come back, like you, you keep calling in Moxley the interim champ. And until CM Punk's ready to come back, that's the route you decided to go. Okay, so we have to come to a decision on what's going to happen here at All Out. All right, so the tickets are sold for All Out. Uh, it's going to be sold out. Dynamite's going to be sold out. Rampage, you know, there'll be some people there. There'll be tickets sold, but they want. I mean, I did. I, I dealt with that last year, right? You go into Rampage, it's like, boy, the tickets are sold, but there's nobody here. People are waiting for All Out. I get it. I know what's happening here. So, guys, I, I really believe that MJF is going to find his way into this at some point at All Out. I don't know how, but just to have the match, we saw the match on Dynamite, to have a rematch on on uh, All Out without any ramifications, MJF interfering, any particular stipulations, it would just seem weird to me. To me, I think this is the return of MJF. People have been wondering, even within the company, where's MJF? He hasn't even been around. I think this is the time where he interferes. One thing for sure, right, that you can see a, a heel turn that's happening with CM Punk. And so if he aligns himself with MJF, he won't be a heel in Chicago, but everywhere else CM Punk would be a heel aligning himself with MJF. Or both of those guys think that they're right because they're both will be against Tony Khan in some way, shape, or form. I think that's what we're going to see at All Out. Well, so that's the thing I worry about is we see this a lot in WWE where we sort of set these expectations, and it's a lot of that is from rumors, where it's like the whole lead up to Cody, where every weekend Raw is like, ah, oh, tonight's the night, Cody's gonna be there. He doesn't come out. It's like, ah, oh, stupid WWE, they didn't bring out Cody, and they never hinted he was coming. There's been a lot of MJF stuff where I feel like if he's not in Chicago, this is gonna look like a negative on Tony Khan. It's like, ah, oh, he didn't bring out MJF, like you know he promised, even though he never actually said that. Yeah. I... But I think if, if, at, at this point, like MJF's about the only thing that can save this for me, which right. is incredible to say when you have two of the more talented wrestlers that you have in a program that I was interested in right after CM Punk came back. You're doing the pull-apart bra. You're going, oh, okay, this is going to be good on the paper. It's going to be good on Dynamite in Cleveland. That's what we're doing. And it, it has to be part of some sort of bigger storyline. I can't imagine – what type of stipulations they would have to put on a match, you know? So to play this out logically, they just sold that made that clearly the storyline right now is punk came back too soon because of the, the roundhouse kick he delivered. And clearly the foot was, was just not ready for it. And, you know, they end up kind of, you know, they, they have to help him to the back. So in order for that foot, which he came back early now to be ready in 10 days or whatever, we're looking at for all out. Like, what kind of stipulations you put on there? Unsanctioned match? You really want your undisputed champion at your biggest pay-per-view of the season doing 
a, a lights out match? Like an hold on a second. Match? Hold, hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. The biggest Moxley fan on this show is not going to bitch about an unsanctioned match. <laughs> I mean, let me tell. Let me just because who's wearing the Mox T-shirt on Good Karma <laughs> Wrestling today? You, you, Night Soul. So don't give me that. That's number one. Also number two. Well, he has to get to the blood. He didn't bleed last night. Well, so he's exactly. got to get to that. I mean, that's if, yes. If, if the match, if the match was two more minutes, he would have been bleeding. So thank God it was. Well, yeah. Five. All right. So all right. So. I mean, no, he did get kicked to the head. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm surprised he wasn't bleeding after getting kicked to the head. I mean, all I know is that you don't care what the stipulation is as long as your guy holds on to the championship. I know that you are a proud papa watching Dynamite because your guy is a champion. And what did he say afterwards? He goes, oh, is that is that what's not supposed to happen? Was I supposed to drop the championship? What, what's the it's matter? A great promo. And, and, and you know what? What that was is the truth. This guy in AEW and around the indies and – and all these other plays, the game changer wrestling, that guy is going around the bend and defending the championship, defending his name. He's reborn. And so if I'm AEW, if if GM Punk is not healthy, why can't Moxley just be the champion at this point in time? Oh, because yeah. Moxley's carried it very well and did a nice job carrying it for not only himself, but the company. But so my problem here, I guess, Jay Hood, would be this. Like, yes, I am a huge Moxley stan. I love John Moxley. But in AEW, they continuously prop up the, the AEW championship, as they should. It's It's been the main event of their pay-per-views, you know, So which is why it was so surprising, I think, to the three of us, when you have an AEW unification championship match in the middle of Dynamite. Like, that's what I think was so surprising because of the way that AEW and Tony kind of treated AEW championship matches. They made events because, hey, this championship is the most important thing we do. It's bigger than any. So to put it in the middle of the show, to maybe not even have it defended at, and it, my guess is it ultimately gets defended at All Out because that's what they do. But they've opened the door of, okay, is it going to be defended? What are they going to do with with CM Punk? Like, there's there's a lot of... Just kind of the the one thing that I knew about Tony Khan for sure was that championship meant a lot, and I think it still well, does. But it it just isn't getting treated the way it has been in the past. Well, we welcome our new audience that's checking this out on Twitch as well. We have a brand new Twitch channel, it's Good Karma Wrestling. If you are a part of Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Good Karma Wrestling. So we welcome everybody checking this out on our new spot on Twitch. We're on YouTube, of course. We're on the Good Karma uh, Brands Twitter feeds as well. Tim on YouTube says this squash could be part of a bigger plan. CJ Taylor says, um, what happened to the days when the champion had to drop the title when it couldn't be defended in 30 days? Yes. I mean, that, <laughs> it's amazing. AEW has gone completely UFC in that regard, right? Well, you know, the champs are available. We'll, we'll bring in an interim champion. Yes. During my day, indeed. If you couldn't defend the title for a shoot for, for 30 days, they stripped the title from you. And so, but this is what's happening with the women too, right? You just mentioned Thunder Rosa. She's going to be injured a four-way, and they're going to have an interim champion on the women's side too. But we but see I mean, it in the WWE world. Like, Brock and Roman, I think, combined had, you know, two title defenses all year. Like, it's, you know, right. just the, the world we live in now. Yeah. yeah, so it's a way to still have those title defenses. And, look, I – it's a cheap way to do it. You know, I shouldn't say cheap. It's an easy way to build up big matches. Like, because last night felt big and people tuned in, you know, a million people tuned in for dynamite last night. So these title unifications, when they happen, they automatically become big matches. So quickly, before we move on off of this, let's just go around. Do we think CM Punk is actually healthy 
or do we think last night was a work to try to build something more for All Out? I it say no. Is, yeah, it's a work, yeah. I think. I think, but see, I still don't think he's fully healthy. Like, I think the main event is MJF and Mox, and I think the storyline sort of, I think you alluded to it, Jay Hood. Punk comes out saying, like, hey, like, Tony's a mark. Tony forced me to go out there. Like, Mox, put that title up. Like, I have an opponent for you. There's MJF and Punk and MJF align, and that might be the way you even get Punk booed in Chicago. Like, somehow aligning with MJF and being the anti-Tony Khan guys. No, he, he, he's not going to be booed in Chicago. He'll never be booed in Chicago. <laughs> no, never. Anywhere else on the planet, anywhere else in the, where AEW goes, not Chicago. He could do it. I mean, the guy was pretty much ripped off McMahon, right? He's got. He's at the end of his contract, wins the championship, and leaves and puts the the WWE title in the refrigerator, <laughs> and he's still being and he's still being praised. No, it's but, amazing. But here, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say MJF in Long Island. Sami Zayn and KO up in Canada. Like Sammy, this is the reaction Sami Zayn got on SmackDown during that intercontinental number one contender match. Like the people were going insane for Sammy. And Sammy is a pretty big heel. He's a he's a smart, you know, smarmy heel at this point. Same thing with MJF. MJF is the biggest heel. He's always going to get cheered every time he goes to Long Island. So to answer your question, no, I don't think that CM Punk is legitimately injured. I do like the limp, a little bit of a limp to see the kind of sell that he still has a foot issue. But I guess I would throw the question back to you. Yes, I think that we will see Punk and Moxley again at All Out. But how does Hangman Page fit into all of this? Are we supposed to just push that to the side? Because all of this is, you know, Hangman Page is is pissed at CM Punk and back and forth because Punk feels like Heyman Page is not talking to him. Hey, come to me as a man. You have a problem? Talk to me. Whatever, right? I just want to know how he fits into it, or does he fit into it at all? I don't think he fits into it all right now. I think it's certainly something that AEW can put in the back pocket and always revisit, because now Punk threw that out there. He threw that challenge out there, the disrespect thing. So I think it's something they can go back to, but I don't think that they're going to shotgun it into their current plans because CM Punk decided to go into a business for himself last week. Yeah, I think if anything we've learned the last couple of weeks is that like there are too many feelings getting hurt right now. So I don't know if they even want to go down that path and potentially put that out there. Like there's too much going on that you read the reports where Punk's upset, Kingston's upset, Sammy's upset. Like there's too much going on backstage right now that I don't know if you want to have the real stuff out front like that. Yeah, you see what happens when you have pressure? When Triple H starts applying the pressure, the pressure, people are looking more and more at WWE programming. All of a sudden, AEW doesn't seem like this place to be for some people. I'm under, I, I hear. So yeah. that's interesting. All right. We're going to keep an eye on CM Punk. Again, Dynamite's got us hooked. So let's keep an eye on that next Wednesday. But we dive into the other stories going on in the world of professional wrestling. The other top three stories, we love to call it the three count here on GKW. What do we have at number one, Brian? We talked about a little bit. Thunder Rosa last night announces that she is out with an injury, so an interim women's champion will be crowned at All Out. It'll be a four-way match. Britt Baker, Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter, and Sheeta going at it. So, guys, who will win the AEW interim women's title on Sunday next week at All Out? 
it kind of seemed like to me they were going to be getting a new champion anyway. I kind of feel like the, the whole Thunder Rosa era was starting to, her as champ was losing a little bit of steam, really building towards, you know, potentially Tony Storm. So I think they just keep it going. And they have Tony Storm end up winning the the, the four-way and she can continue the, the storyline and the battles that she has with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter and, and that whole crew. But that's the way it seemed to be trending. So my guess is that they just continue that trend and pull the trigger on Tony Storm being the next AEW Women's Champion. Dr. Britt Baker, Jade Cargill, and the list stops there of women that are hot in AEW as far as in-ring. It stops right there. Whatever you think of Jade Cargill, of her being going on this Goldberg streak, at least she's consistent, right? She's trying to yeah. get better. The championship is making Jade Cargill more than she's making the championship. We understand that. She's still young in the business. And so they see her. She looks good. Let's see if we can put a rocket ship and, and you know in her career and see how she goes. And she's charismatic. Wins, yeah, of course. Of course. And, and, and with Stokely, I think that helps also um, to have a manager. But you know what, guys? The AEW women's division is cold. It's cold. Without Britt Baker being the champion, it's cold. And what's, and that's a shame, too, because I think she does very good. I think that Chris Statlander was on her way, but, of course, she's injured now. Um, and, you know, you're starting to bring in these these former WWE wrestlers like a, a Tony Storm and some of these others. And it's kind of like, you know, yeah. I don't think I, – I, I don't think that they have done the women's division uh, – um, I think they've done a disservice to the women's division. It's not that the women aren't any good. It's just that the way they're booked. So, bro, it's, I would just say that after Britt Baker and maybe Jade Cargill, I mean, I, I think maybe it's Tony Storm, or maybe you should just put it back on Britt Baker because at least when she had the championship, it was meaningful, it was hot. Well, I think to that point about how poorly they booked the division, just the fact that the announcement last night happened in just almost like a throwaway backstage segment. Like, she wasn't in the ring. She didn't get that emotional moment of like, hey, I'm hurt. Like, I have to give up the title like we saw with Punk. So, like, that sort of goes to it. So, to me... When I look at these four, and Sean Ross Sapp said the plan was for Tony Storm to win it all out and ultimately get the title off of Rosa. But why not Jamie Hayter? Because then at least you have the her and Britt stuff. Like maybe something happens where Britt thinks she's going to win, Hayter wins it, and then you can have her and Britt run through something for the next couple months until Rosa comes back. At least there's a story there. Yeah, and, and with and Britt I, Baker, yeah. yeah, Britt Baker would still be involved in that storyline. So right. Britt Baker being around that orbit certainly would help. But the way that Tony has booked the women, it's kind of like what Vince did with the men over on in WWE. You know, when you're kind of looking around, you're going, well, I got talent, but like who have they built up? They haven't done any additional storylines. I mean, for a brief second there, they were doing Serena Deeb, and they built her up, and – that cooled off as quickly as they heated it up. But I think people were into the whole Serena Deeb, you know, professor five-minute challenge, and you're building her, building her, building her. You haven't even really built Tony Storm. She's kind of been a sidekick-ish, and they do the Thunderstorm thing. It's kind of been a tag team, kind of not. It just they haven't done a lot of storylines outside of whatever is going on around the women's title, which is why it doesn't seem like there are a lot of women right now in that division, despite there being a lot of talented women in that division that seem like they're ready for that moment, which is maybe why you end up defaulting back to Britt Baker, because you know that she's going to be able to carry the division. You know, she's going to make other women relevant. She's going to make that one of the best storylines in, in AEW, because when she was champ, like it was always one of the top things going. It was always one of the top things AEW had when Britt Baker was champ. 
Yeah, but I think it goes I back think... to even when Rosa won the title, where she lost at the pay per view, and then what was it? Two weeks later, she's winning on Dynamite. Where it's like, well, what was the point of the pay per view then? She won this yeah. title in March. That's almost five months, six months as a champion, and you look at her reign, it's like, eh, whatever. Like, there's nothing too memorable that came out of it. I, I actually think there's money in Dr. Britt Baker against Jamie Hayter. There had been some rumblings like Hayter and Britt were going to split, and then they were going to split, and then now they're not splitting. I think that there's actually some money in that. I think Jamie Hayter is very um, – I think she's athletic. I think that she could be a future champion in that in that company. But there's a number of women that I could say that for. But if you don't have meaningful matches and real contenders, that's a problem. Hey, WWE has that problem too. They're trying to fix it now under Triple H. But look, the, the women today can wrestle and they can be able to entertain. But you've got to put them in matches where people can that care. I saw Tony Storm against Thunder Rosa, and it you know, people was it was a shoulder shrug. That's not against Thunder Rosa. I know that she can go. I know that she's a, a supreme babyface. But the point is, though, is that you got to put her in some meaningful matches. If she's a babyface, who's the biggest heel on the women's side that could take try to take down Thunder Rosa in a, a meaningful program? That's what it comes down to. It, it's just storytelling. The talent's there, but it's about storytelling for me. Well, you got to find time for it, and this is – one of the effects of having too many championship belts, because now you're in the middle of this trios tournament. You got to make sure that gets featured because you got to build towards the, fi- the the finale, which is coming up at All Out. And, you know, they're, they're, have we have not seen the Old Atlantic championship defended on AEW television, correct? Like, um, it's only happened in, like in outside agencies, you know, in other promotions <laughs> that one of the AEW championships. Like, I love the I love the outside agencies. I like <laughs> FBI. What, 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 which agency? Hey, maybe, maybe he defended it. You know, in Langley. You know, he went and did a house show for the CIA. Defended the All Atlantic Championship. Who the knows? belt was like, in the main not... event last night. What else do you need? It was part of a six man, but still, it was there in the main yeah. event. But it's again, it just goes back to you. You can only dedicate so much bandwidth. You have three hours of meaningful television a week. You have to find time to be able to carve out enough things um, for what you want to do. It's part of the reason that Wardlow has kind of faded to the back. You haven't found anything meaningful to him. So now he's tagging along in, in a trios match with your hottest tag team. You're making some curious booking decisions here, Tony. And I think it has to be cleaned up. It, it's something I think we're going to harp on now with the Triple H era. You got to clean this up, you got to clean some of this stuff up. Yep, that's the thing. It, it's it's sloppy right now, and like we said, like the pay per view, like what match on the card do you look at? Oh, I can't wait for that payoff. Like Jungle Boy Christian probably has the biggest build, but like that's gonna be a middle of the pack match. Like I'm sure it'll be good because it's what those two do, but that's really it storyline wise. Yeah, yeah, that's it. yeah, man. That's I haven't even thought. I did not think about the pay per view <laughs> like that, and now that I have, it's. It's a little depressing. Like it's a little yeah. sad. Like that because the the card is full. I mean, I guess the second to that is probably Ricky Stark's Powerhouse Hobbs. Okay. You know, no, I, kind of I, I, I would agree with that. R- Ricky Starks had the promo of his life last yeah. night. And, and here here's the the intricacy of his promo that I really liked because it was inside. But it but if if you catch it, you see it's inside. You know what he said? He goes, "Man, Hobbs, man, you go in after my neck, and you know that I had it." I've had it broken, and you went after it, man. How could you do – and he almost cried or came across as he was crying because on the inside, if you know that your opponent is hurt or if he has an injury, you don't go after it in the ring. And so what he said in the promo was like, man, you know my neck was 
broken, man. And, and, and you went after it anyway. I can't believe we were boys. How could you go after my injured neck? And so that little bit of a kernel in that promo, man, that sold me. All I know is this, is that Tony Khan is 100 different places. You better start honing in on some of your young stars, your Jungle Boys, your Ricky Starks, your Hobbs. You better lock those guys in before they jump to uh, Stanford, Connecticut. I'm just telling you right now, like, Ricky Starks is gold. He is rock-like. So he's good. not the rock, but he's not. But he's rock-like. He's got the T-shirt open like the rock. He's got the chain like the rock, the hair, everything else, the promo skills, the ability to bring the crowd in. He is one of the, the bright young stars in, I think, in wrestling and definitely in AEW. You better lock that guy in for a while because I think he's box office. I'll throw this out there. It might upset you, but would it surprise you if that match was a pre-show match? It wouldn't surprise me. No. Nope, it wouldn't surprise me. Because <laughs> I could have swore I was just at the United Center and saw those guys in a pre-show, a pre-match thing, or they were doing – no, they're doing an interview, right? They were going back and forth, what I believe would swerve in our glory. They weren't even on the card, if I can recall that. Yeah, so wouldn't surprise me. I still want to see the match, though. Where do we got at number two on three count, bro? It's... All right. They are the guys dominating the AEW headlines, but we don't know when we're going to see them. So who do we see at AEW ring first? CM Punk or MJF? I still just lean towards CM Punk just because we did recently see him. Look, I, even if he was only half cleared, I, I just can't see CM Punk even going into a ring. So while we talked about in, you know, 10 minutes ago about this this dream of, oh, maybe MJF gets involved with CM Punk and John Moxley, and that ends up kind of being the main event. Like, I, I don't want to get my expectations of MJF is going to show up here. Even though last year at All Out, like we had our expectations that Brian Danielson was going to show up, that you know we were going to get to see some of these great returns, not great debuts, I should say, in AEW. And you know you get Adam Cole; they both debut in the same segment at the end of the show. Oh, we, you know, kind of thought maybe they won't be there. Then all of a sudden they both debut, and it was great. So I, I don't want to get my expectations up with MJF because I think there's some real things that are kind of mixed in with some of the storytelling and some of the, the work shootiness of the whole thing. So I'm just going to lean towards CM Punk because I don't want to get my expectations up for MJF. What if they both hop into the ring and they roll in the bottom rope at the same time? Who wins there? Like MJF yeah, go to the and tape. CM Punk. It, it's like right. the rumble. You got to see whose feet hit first. You got to go to the tape. <laughs> right, exactly. Got to go to gotta go if, the instant replay. <laughs> what, what if they both come in at the same time? Who wins that, right? Um, I would say it's CM Punk. I think that that's what we're going to see first. Um, but I believe that, you know, the one thing about AEW, you will get surprises. Right? You'll get, whether they're big or small, you'll find somebody's like, wait, how'd that person get in there? I mean, so I can see MJF being in Chicago in one way, shape, or form because he's been on ice for too long. I would just tell you that I think it's CM Punk first. I expect him to be in this main event. I just don't know how it's all going to materialize. And actually, it's a good thing, guys. It's a good thing. It's it's not color by numbers booking as we saw from Vince from time to time when he was in WWE. Actually, this is exciting because we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe next Wednesday will give us a little kernel, and then maybe Friday on Rampage, and then we get to Sunday, it'll be all solved. We'll see. So with one major dynamite to go before the pay-per-view, you you think it's a good thing that we're a little unsettled on what the main event's going to be? Yeah, because the tickets are sold. 
I mean, as far as far as far as Hoffman Estates, Illinois, the, the the tickets are sold. As far as pay per view buys, we should find out by Wednesday, not Friday. We'll find out by Wednesday what's going on with the main event. They can't. You can't. You have to say something. You have to do something for the go home show, so that way more people buy in. I think that a lot of times people decide day of or that weekend. Should I buy this? Yeah, I think I'm going to buy this. No one buys it in advance. They look at the right. ho- the go home show. Is the go home show worth my time? Okay, it is good. I'm going to check it out. I think people do it at the last minute, just like this this booking. It, the booking's odd, guys, but I think that we'll find out on Wednesday how this all is going to materialize with the uh, with the main event. See, I agree with that, and that's why, like, they spend the entire pre-show saying, "Hey, you know, we're experiencing some issues because everyone's ordering an hour before the show starts." Like, oh yeah, I yes. did want to order that, but isn't there too much at times? Because yes, I agree. I love the fact that it's not colored by numbers, but obvious works sometimes. Like Hangman winning the title was obvious for months out, saying, "Okay, we're going to see the payoff. He's going to win. It's going to be a big deal." They didn't try and swerve us last second to have him lose on the pay-per-view, and now with this, like. Outside of MJF, everything else sort of feels like a letdown. Like, there can be too much at times, I feel like. Well, a perfect example is, so FTR is not defending any of their championships. They're part of a six-man. Is that is that what's happening? Yeah, yes. six-man. Yeah, they're teaming up with Wardlow. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I mean, to me, they're the champions. But somehow we're getting, uh, what is it? We're going to have Swerve in our glory against... The acclaimed. the acclaimed, and everyone loves the acclaimed, because including they're Daddy des- S. Yes. Because they're deserve because they're deserving of a title. Scissor shot. me, Rowitz. <laughs> I don't get scissored. Uh, this, there we go. Story. There we go. <laughs> listen, listen, listen! Someone scissor me, bro. Shut up, Jr. <laughs> But, like, see, that's the thing. So, like, the obvious, I feel like we forget about it because so many things happen, but it felt like the obvious path to all out was FTR Bucks 3 for the titles. And this is how FTR gets the AEW titles out of their collection. We're so far removed from that at this point, and, like, now we're getting a thrown-together tag team title match. Like, obvious would have worked there. Like, FTR beating the Bucks, which I even said could have main-evented the show if you didn't know how the world title situation was going to be, but we're nowhere close to that being a thing right now. There's chaos in the back. There's got to be chaos in the back. I've I've made some calls to find out what's happening there. They say it's not as bad as what we read or what it seems like, but there's got to be some internal chaos going on with Tony Khan. Jaguar season's right around the corner. This whole thing with his soccer football club. I mean, at at some point, and I'll I'll tell you this. I can share this with the show. You know, Tony Khan feels like there needs to be one voice, and that's his. That's fine. That's how Vince McMahon did business. Everything, the buck stopped with him. If you liked it, if you hated it, it was all Vince. Vince signed off on everything. Tony Khan is the same way. But when you have veteran people like Mark Henry or Arn Anderson and, and so many others that are in the back that have wrestled for 20, 30 years and have seen everything, you might want to listen to those guys from time to time. And I will tell you guys that that's not happening from what I understand. Like, like it, you have veterans saying, hey, you might want to consider this. Nope, I'm booking. I got it. I got it. For real? You can't do that, man. You you have to be able – it's got to be a collaborative effort, but ultimately it's got to be uh, on Tony to decide. He's the guy. I understand that. But closing the door on veterans and experience, that's not smart when you've only been doing this for three years. 
do you think he's starting to lighten up on that? Because Tony Schiavone has a new backstage role where he is supposedly now going to be involved a little bit more with talents and kind of help bridging some of the communication gaps that reportedly have been happening backstage. I think so. I think that that helps. Uh, you already have veteran guys that are on their staff, though, that are not doing much. I'll put it that way. Not doing much. Um, you know, in WWE, all those suits, all those guys that you see on those pull aparts, those guys are working. All those agents, those producers, those guys are working. They're trying to make the product better. And so I think that Tony being there helps. Tony uh, Shivani helps, especially on the production end. That guy is on his podcast talking all the time. It's like, we cut so much stuff, the fluff out of Rampage, where everything's tight. You know, us as TV and radio people know that it's good to edit to make sure stuff is tight and you don't have lag time and you just don't have a waste of, you know, on your side, bro, it's a lot of film that you want to tighten up for television, for, for you know, for Gabe and I, it's about radio trying to tighten it up. So, you know, I think that help is good for AEW. You don't know everything just because you've been watching wrestling since 1995. So just to make this clear, you guys have your hopes up that we're going to see MJF next Sunday, all out? Yes, he will, he will be there. And you'll be excited. But you won't be excited because John Moxley might lose his championship. And then you got to throw that. And then you got to, I'm going to have a video and I'm going to watch in that video, you burning your Mox shirt. That's what's going to happen. You're dead to me now, John. I can't believe you lost. What are you doing? MJF. You're going to be burning your Mox shirt. What do we have at number three, Brian? Well, guys, we know uh, Johnny Gargano will not be in the main event of All Out, making his return to the WWE on Monday on Raw. Our good friend, of course, because, you know, we chatted with him once. So go check that out in the podcast. He'll be joining us here. So that's right. One of the first guys to say, hey, I'm sticking with the WWE, a free agent that many people rumored AEW. Which WWE to AEW wrestler do you think regrets the move the most at this moment? <sighs> um, That's a good one. and. Again, we we figured that this moment was coming for Gargano, yeah. by the way, after we talked with Johnny, if you go back and listen, just the way he talked about WrestleMania and the Intercontinental Championship. I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe wrestling for the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania in Los Angeles. But we'll have to wait and see because he's certainly one of Triple H's guys. I guess I lean towards another one of Triple H's guys, and I wonder about Adam Cole. And I know he's hurt right now, so he's he's on the shelf and he's he's out back, but Clearly, to me, he went to AEW. I mean, he's got great relationships. You know, they've told some stories with him and the Young Bucks, and maybe they're going to eventually build to something with the Bucks and Kenny versus Red Dragon and and the Undisputed Elite with Adam Cole. But I just kind of lean towards Adam Cole because I think he saw the writing on the wall of a guy like me can't really succeed in WWE, especially with the way that Vince is now going to be going with this bigger type of athlete that's who he wants to mold into a professional wrestler. I can't have success over there if I go up to the main roster. With Triple H now in charge, not to say that, you know, I still think that, I mean, Triple H was a big guy. There is a big guy. I, I think those big guys are still going to be prevalent in WWE. But I, I think he understands more the Brian Danielson point of view when, when we've heard Danielson talk about WWE of, yeah, they've got the big show and they've got me. They've got all these different things and that's how it can work. I think Adam Cole's talented enough where he could have a pretty successful role, I think, on Raw or SmackDown. So that that would be the one I'd kind of lean towards. Um, 
in, in terms of the answer to this question, even though I'm not, I, I don't think he regrets his decision, but I think he has more options potentially whenever his contract expires. Uh, the answer to the question is Billy Gunn. Ah, okay. Yeah. Billy Gunn is uh, over. Like, it's the year 2022, <laughs> and Billy Gunn is over. Like, that was really impressive last night. That That's my joke answer, because Billy Gunn wishes that he was big. Like, now that Brian James, Road Dog yeah. is back, he would love to be part of that mix, like, in the back, I'm sure, working with his former tag team partner with Triple H. I'm sure that he's happy with his, you know, working with his sons. Maybe his sons wouldn't have an opportunity in WWE. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. But at least they're on national TV. It's a you know at least they're there and he's with them so that I think that's I mean cool. one of the I think, kids I think it was Colton yeah. he uh, threatened on Twitter to call child services on Billy because of his actions last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, worked out in the mix. <laughs> no, that's my joke answer. The real answer is uh, I would say, how about this for outside the box? How about Andrade? Because he's newly married to Charlotte, I'm sure he'd rather be on the road with Charlotte than be in a, a different you know, company than Charlotte, whenever Charlotte returns to the WWE. I think that um, Triple H liked Andrade. Again, it, was, it wasn't it was for long with him being in NXT, but I think that he likes Andrade as a wrestler. I know that he's fantastic. We haven't even seen the best of him in AEW because it's so watered down and bogged down because they just focus, they hone in on so much talent. But I think that he'd be a real find uh, in uh, WWE. One thing about the about WWE they really like to be able to cater to the um, to the uh, Spanish-speaking audience, especially on SmackDown. They always want to make sure that that's the case because it's a, a network, it's open-air television. So I think they'd like to have if, – if Triple H can look at this roster, I'm sure there's a lot of people he liked, but I think Andrade would be on his list too because that guy can go. Yeah, I think that's interesting. What, I mean, one author out though is like, what about Joe who's basically doing stuff he's done already? Like, obviously he's hurt and that changes things. But, like, Ring of Honor TV champ, feuding with Jay Lethal, like, he's done all this already. And he's one of those guys also, you talk about a Triple H guy, where he was literally fired by Vince and Triple H said, hey, I'll take you down here to NXT. Like, you're good. You have a job here. Like, to me, that is someone that would have been in the world title picture in the Triple H WWE because he has the look. He's one of the guys. Like, he can go. He can work on the mic. He does it all. And that's, you know, he's sort of the complete package. Oh, yeah, I think certainly. I mean, I, th- I think that's a really good answer. One I haven't thought of just because Joe is kind of yeah. in the back of my, you know, I, I completely forgot about it, more or less because of the injuries and lack of television time because of those injuries for Samoa Joe. Um, I mean, so this is based off the Gargano debut. What did you guys think of the opening promo? He's just, I mean, he's just, it, he just comes across as so genuine. That yes. I think a lot of a lot of wrestlers struggle with at times in terms of when cutting promos. He was just so genuine, and you couldn't help but be happy for him that Johnny Wrestling's going to be back doing what he loves. I I loved it personally because well, I mean, after all, he came on Good Karma Wrestling, pretty much said he's going back to WWE. Yeah. I mean, he said that here on the show, pretty much. I we I, we asked him the very clear question: What's something in wrestling that you have not done yet that you like to accomplish? And a lot of things he said was WWE related. Never been in a WrestleMania. Never wrestled certain guys in, in WWE. And I think all three of us, the light bulb came on and said, yep, he likes to, he wants to go back. Now, of course, did he know that Vince was going to be ushered out the door in Stanford? <laughs> Probably not. But just, I think that was some unfinished business there. And, and it's just one of these underneath guys, underdogs that I think that everyone can root for. I mean, for years it was Rey Mysterio, right? And so for this guy, 
undersized, but he's got a motor. He's always been a great baby face. And so I think that this is going to work out for him really well. For him to return, it was great. And I love the internet gossip, by the way. It's like WWE de- debuted him in Toronto before AEW aired in Cleveland because he's from Cleveland. So the thought was, oh, you know, what What if he goes to AEW? No, he's going to be in WWE. It's, just, it's, how, it's how the wrestling internet community works, right? It's crazy. Well, it was funny just because, like, again, it's been nine months since you've, you know, seen it. So, like, there were when, – when the music hit, there was I would probably like one in 20 people in that crowd as they, they're, they're panning the crowd who's like standing up, hands on their head, like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Well, other people are like, what's going on? What's, and then the Gargano <laughs> comes across the Jumbotron and everyone's like, oh, yeah, Johnny Wrestling, he's back. It was, like, there was, it was so smooth. It was so smooth because it came out of an Instagram ad, right? And it, right. Kind of panned the, it was very quiet, panned the crowd. And the best part is you didn't have the idiot announcers saying, could it be? Could it be? It was just quiet. And people, yeah. and, and you got the real emotion of the fans saying, my God, Johnny Gargano's back. Well, how about that, right? It was, but it was very smooth, no buildup, no announcer hype. It's, it's Johnny Gargano. Awesome. Yeah, and I think that was the fun part, just the raw emotion, like how happy he was. And like, yeah, we've talked about like we expected it because when that question was asked of him by, I believe it was UJ Hood, like there are easy ways to say, to answer that question and not have the rumors go, oh, well, he's going to AEW, he's going to WWE. Like, oh, yeah, there's a lot I want to accomplish. But when you specifically mention WWE's thing, it's like, okay, that makes sense. So now I'm just curious is like, what's next? Like, do you think a week from now that he's money in the bank? Like, it's him in theory is what it's looking like at Clash of the Castle. Can we see that briefcase on the line? Because you assume he's not going to lose that first match. <laughs> I can't imagine they put the briefcase on the line. I, I just can't. I mean, that would be just taking a rocket and shoving it right up his backside. And Why just not? shooting him to the moon. Wait a um, minute. They did that with Theory. What about this? He put that same rocket up Theory. <laughs> you know what? That was Vince. That was Vince. Well, well, well Triple H you know taking it. That's right. That's right. You know what? Hey, kid, uh, I know you're Vince's guy, uh, but Johnny is my guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what I want. That's what I want. Enough of theory. And, by the way, and I totally forgot that he was part of the way. That's when I started tuning out of NXT. Yeah. I, he was like, because that whole thing was, hey, you remember we used to do the whole thing with at the I'm like, ah, that's right. The way. That's when I stopped watching NXT. That not <laughs> that bullshit that they were doing. I'm like, why are you turning Johnny a heel and why are you making it weird? Just like, okay, this is when it started getting really bad, right? This is when the, the tail end of the black and gold brand. So I forgot Theory was aligned with Gargano. Yeah, that matchup, yeah, I want to see that 20 times because that will only make Theory better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So while we're on this, let's just let me ask you this question. Just kind of flip you guys around here. So if you were WWE, what AEW talents would you be tampering with as they've allegedly done? Broets? Ah, that is a good one. I mean, it's the crazy one, but, like, are they calling punk? Like, if all this stuff's out there, and, like, there are those rumors, and, like, he's upset, like, is that who they're calling? Saying, like, hey, you had issues with Vince. This is a new era. Come do your thing and get that closure that you never really got. I mean, he did call Triple H the doofus son-in-law in the infamous pipe bomb promo. So I, I think he may have some had some issues with – this is Phil Brooks talking to Paul Levesque as well. There. Okay, okay. Okay. Um, 
clearly they called, I mean, Jericho pretty much came out and said that they had contacted him. Yeah. Like at some point Jericho is going to be back in WWE just because they got to do a hall of fame thing with him. Yep. Um, and, and again, like we talked about last week about Jericho and how he just reinvents himself and how good he just continuously looks. But to me, there's one name on the list. The first name that I'm reaching out to all the time is MJF. Yeah. Like that's, well, that's, that's my first call. If I'm triple H, even though he wasn't my guy, like that dude can make you some money. And I call MJF just to say, Hey, yeah, I haven't seen you on TV. You want to be on TV? Contracts expire. Come over, you know, USA, Fox, whatever you want. We all agree that he's one of the best heels in wrestling, but like we've talked about like the, the narrow casting and how AEW might be a little too inside. MJF shows up on raw. Like, does that get the massive reaction of even our Gargano? Like, does the majority of the Raw crowd know who MJF is? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Uh, and they will know him as Sam Friedman. Okay. Because <laughs> they'll change his name. He will not be Max Friedman. It'll be Sam Friedman. MJF. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. He won't have his same name, which sucks, right? How about this for business? And, and so I think it's obvious for those that have, are listening to us. Listen, I think it's pretty clear that Cody Rhodes is there to help Triple H bring AEW talent over. Hey, uh, who's good over there? And I'm and, and I think Triple H already knows, but I think that Cody Rhodes can be a Pied Piper to say, hey, it's not so bad over here. The first call that you make, guys, is the Young Bucks. Yeah, that's that that that's the call that you that's the call that you make. That's the first call that you make. Those guys are always bitching about travel and having to go from California to wherever the hell AEW travels every Wednesday. How about working on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, and maybe Mondays, depending on how the schedule goes? You want to travel? You want to work three days a week? You want to get paid well? You don't have to worry about a hot topic and selling your T-shirts in the back of the okay. arena anymore. How about that? How about you work for us and we pay you top dollar? You finish your career in WWE, you go right to the Hall of Fame. If they did that, would that be the would that be the end of AEW? I mean, you lose th the three biggest names that started this company, and if they all jump to WWE, I mean, we've seen it happen. Like it was essentially the end of Ring of Honor, like when all those guys left and their contracts were expired. All of a sudden, Ring of Honor wasn't as appealing to really anyone anymore. So to answer your question, yes. Because you assume Kenny's probably not too far behind. Well, it's yes, unless you are building your young talent up to main event status. See, that, that, see hey, those veterans are there for a payday. That starts with guys like Jericho and uh, Moxley and Jim Ross. And these guys that are there for the big payday. We understand that. And eventually we knew that they were going to leave. I, we didn't know Cody was going to leave right away. But eventually you're there for the payday. But while those veterans are there, to me, guys, hey, don't worry about those guys. If they want to leave, fine. But you better build your Starks and your Hobbs and your Jungle Boys and your Luchasaurus and all your other people because eventually they're going to be in main event spots. I mean, they're, they're a little bit underneath now, but they're – bubbling to the surface as main event guys. Now, listen, those that AEW is not going to get to 2 million viewers on Wednesday anytime soon. They won't. They'll still be viable, number one in their time slot, number one on Wednesdays. But while you're doing that, build your young rosters to the top. Those veterans more than likely will go to the WWE because Cody's there. That's fine. But that doesn't mean you have to close shop to me, right? 
Yeah, I mean, like, uh-huh. like, like, like you, you can't see Ricky Starks at the top of the card as a, as a main eventer against someone of significance. I mean, to, to me, it's the veterans that are helping build build AEW. The youngsters can help it sustain. I think yeah. that's fair. That's that's a great point. All right, let's go ahead and move on, Brian. What do we have in the news and notes section of this week's GK? I mean, I, I mean, if you could just bury Will Osprey in the in, in a trios match, you have a lot of stars. Apparently, you got a lot of talent, right? I mean, Will Osprey's the greatest wrestler in the world. Ah, trios. We're getting an Osprey Omega showdown. In a trios match on Wednesday night. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right. What? What are we doing? <laughs> That's right. I, as I told you, the the joke is like I don't know. Will Ospreay's the greatest wrestler in the world. Ah, uh, you know, de- debut in middle of the card, Independence, Missouri. Really? <laughs> really? <sighs> you have a pay per view. How do we not put these two teams on opposite sides of the bracket? I don't care if it telegraphs. It's a it. random bracket game. Like, have some respect for the bracket. You know how it's going to break out. Unbelievable. We're getting, <laughs> we're getting Osprey Omega on free television. Well, cable uh, television, but free television on a Wednesday before the Wednesday before the pay per view. Yep. Oh, a pay per view that doesn't have a main event. I, I see the Hoots podcast. Says, Speaking of tampering, why is Jim Ross talking about Osprey's contract status on the air? Yeah, well, well, you, you are you are correct, sir. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of questions about Jim Ross I don't understand. None of that leg slapping. What? What? Excuse me. <laughs> well, on the news and notes, TMZ with pictures today of Vinnie Mac for the first time stepping away out in public celebrating his 77th birthday in New York City with John Cena, Pat McAfee, and Brock Lesnar, part of the crowd. A little surprised that, uh, well, and first of all, he was walking away with somebody who was very much not his wife. Right, not Uh, Linda, yep. (laughs) Not Linda, um, who was a part of those celebrations as well. I guess I was a little bit surprised. Like, Brock Lesnar doesn't care, right? Like, Brock Lesnar's going to do whatever. So Brock Lesnar, if Vince asks him to do that, like Vince is his guy. I understand that Vince is John Cena's guy as well. But I'm surprised that somebody who's trying to build their Hollywood profile the way that John is and the way and like the statue that the stature that he currently has, like being the face of a franchise for a major comic book movie uh, studio in Peacemaker and the way he's done that. Like, I'm surprised he decided to go out publicly and celebrate Vinnie Mac's 77th. Um, they couldn't do it at his mansion. <laughs> like you just, I mean, you, you're you caught by TMZ. And by the way, the big, brash, bold Vince McMahon cowering with the cowering yeah. from the, the the cameras of TMZ, covering his face. Were you ashamed of you that? Don't, you don't think it was just like an, a convenient, like forehead itch, like just as as the cameras <laughs> going off, just super convenient? No, no, that's cameras, <laughs> cameras. God damn it! It's not me. Like okay, it's all right, not- Vince. It's not me. It's not me. It's somebody else. In his black shirt, like no jacket, by the way. His his black, you know, like collared shirt. And that woman holding her purse by her teeth. Did you notice that? I did. I did notice that in the picture. I don't know if she was like putting on her jacket or something. But yes, I did notice that in the picture. It was very interesting. It's so strange. Like, so she holds her purse by her teeth. What kind of woman are you with, Vince? What's going on there? That's just that was just odd. Uh, my wife's never done that. Nonetheless, <laughs> I, I, I would just tell you that uh, uh, you know it's funny that you mentioned Cena. Cena, I guess, is comfortable in his own skin that you'd be out with with Vince. Brock Lesnar doesn't care. You're right about that. But 
you know, I guess John says, you know what? I'm I'm Teflon. I'm already on the face of Hollywood. No one's gonna cancel me for being out with Vince. I I wouldn't do it, but John Cena is okay with it. Uh, I just like not a great career decision. Like it's still like we're too close to the situation. And like your point, Gabe, like go somewhere else where there aren't going to be cameras. Like you're going to Times Square. Like there might be press there. There might be some cameras. It's a little bit you're of a busy me, area. Not that Vince wants to go to, you know, South Dakota, but like <laughs> you tell me Brock couldn't have hosted. I don't yeah, think TMZ exactly. is going to be following you to South Dakota in Brock's ranch. I just don't yeah. think that's going to happen. I don't see them trying to get on Brock's ranch with a camera. Like, I don't see that ending well. It's not me! Yeah. It's not me! God damn it! Uh, in the AEW world, a lot of backstage talk. PW Insider reports that Eddie Kingston was suspended for a few weeks due to a backstage altercation with Sammy Guevara. He is expected to return next week. Okay, so Gabe Neitzel, here's one thing about wrestling that you need to know. If someone is overweight, you don't call them fat. If someone's old, you don't call them old. That's an old, that's not my rule. That's like wrestling. Like, never point out the foibles or the issues with your opponent. And so I guess that's old school and Sammy Guevara didn't get the memo because obviously everything was just wide open. Hey, say what you want. Like, I will try to talk to him. I'm a heel and Kingston was good with it. So I'm going to call him overweight and I'm going to say that, you know, he's got issues. And then, like, of course, Kingston goes off. Well, I mean, that's a heel. What do you expect him to say? And Sammy also points out in his quote to Fightful, this was a rampage taping. So it could have been and it was edited it out was. of the show. So not a good look yeah. ready. Yeah, really not a good look uh, for communication. You know, just another example of some of the miscommunications happening backstage uh, at AEW. Who knows if their fight is, uh, if their match is still going to be happening at all out. I would assume yeah. it is because they haven't um, said that it isn't. They've advertised the match since the suspension reportedly began. They, I don't know if it was specifically mentioned last night as they were kind of building towards some of the other stuff for All Out. My guess is ultimately we see it at All Out still with those two, but who knows? All right, boys, time yep. to and move finally, on. We've got of, our last – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. we yep. got one more. Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, finally, sort of moving on. In this day in hit wrestling history, how about August 25th, 02? Exactly 20 years ago, we talked about him earlier. Brock Lesnar knocking off the rock at SummerSlam to become the youngest WWE champion. This was also the first ever WWE pay-per-view under that umbrella. Well, I think it's cool. Um, you think about Brock Lesnar, the body type, the way he looked, it was under the tutelage of Paul Heyman. Heyman of the, of course, New York <laughs> Yankees cap. Uh, that guy that still had that ECW look to him. That during that time, SmackDown was so fresh, right? Because I believe Heyman was writing SmackDown during that time. And that, that was some real great action. Kind of like what we see as of late under Triple H. But that it was a really good time. You were trying to figure out, like, what happens after Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, right? Rock's still around. Austin uh, is done. But Brock Lesnar, I think, lit a fuse. Uh, and so to see him out there as a monster was crazy, man. So... Hats off to him. He's he had he's had quite the legacy. I still like the one lasting image of young Brock Lesnar is him doing like moves off the top rope. I understand he like seriously injured himself when he tried to do it against Kurt Angle, but like I'm going back to OVW 
when he's doing a shooting star press and like the most effortless shooting star press you've ever seen. And then you factor in, he's that big. It just didn't make any sense. And Jim Cornette as the Shredder. God damn, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You're a monster. Never leave your feet. Like that's I'm like, no, Jim, it's 2002. Big guys can fly too. <laughs> right, exactly. I so, feel like we have to see it one more time. Like we need a mini a moment. Like he needs to try again. Just, you know, move the opponent a little closer this time around. <laughs> you want to see it again. Oh my Let's God. Let's go, Brock. Maybe, maybe, maybe off a tractor this time. There we go. Yeah, if, yeah, okay, yeah. You know what? If it's off a tractor, I'm all the way in. If it's off a tractor, <laughs> sign me up for another shooting star press from Brock Lesnar, which, by the way, is one of those moves that may or may not have been banned by WWE that seems to have been making a comeback with Triple H at the helm. Uh, speaking of wrestling moves and matches, what do you guys think was the match of the week? So many options. Like, it's still so weird. We have to watch so much wrestling now. So, like, I guess starting with last night. <laughs> oh, uh, God, God forbid, on a wrestling show, we got to watch so much wrestling. I got to watch wrestling. Yeah. I I'm well, I mean, for this. But, We're watching bro, so much wrestling now. Jay Hood, Jay Hood, think about this from your and my perspective, like how much our wrestling has gone up. Like, he can't be watching these shows on Fight yes. TV from, like, random barns in Iowa. Like, this is really cutting in. Like, it's, it's a lot more for him. It is a very good point. I don't have time for those shows because I'm watching Monday and Fridays now. So <laughs> important thing to consider. So, like, my number one is a six-man from last night. Like, anytime you get Osprey involved, like, I don't get how he does the things he does. And then the other one I'm going to throw in there, Finn versus Dolph on Monday. Like, doesn't do anything really storyline-wise, but those two just getting to go up there and wrestle, like, that was a lot of fun to watch on Monday. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm with the trios match from last night. Like, as, yeah. and there's a, like you said, there's a lot to choose from. But I mean, the fact that you got Osprey, I mean, Pac did some great things in that match. Um, Ray Phoenix, what I mean, the, the opening kind of sequence of events with Osprey and and Ray Phoenix was really cool. Where you know you're kind of seeing some things you don't always see um, with with what those two guys were doing. Um, the way that like he was able to land Osprey landed off the top rope off the Huracarana attempt, like still landed on his feet. It was, Oh man, it was just so much fun to watch. Yeah. So it's the trios, a uh, semifinal for me. That's number three. Number two is Dax Harwood against Jay lethal. That was just an amazing opener for dynamite. Yep. I know in the controversy of the interim title against the world championship match, I know that that was, you know, that was controversial, but people, Dax Harwood and Jay Lethal, any era, that's a hell of a match. A hell the of only a match. thing I'll say so, with that match, though, is doesn't Dax have to win at some point? Like, I thought last night would be that night, but, like, every time he's in a singles match, he delivers, but doesn't he have to win at least one of them at some point? No. No? Okay. <laughs> he's, no. he's a tag team wrestler. He doesn't need to win the singles right. match. That's his kryptonite. Like, I'll give you a five-star <laughs> match, but I'm never going to win one. <laughs> I think that's the gimmick. That's the gimmick, bro. I mean, of, of all people that likes, you know, matches in a barn in, in middle of Iowa, that's you love those gimmicks, right? He gives yeah. you a five-star match every time, but he loses them all. What a great gimmick. All right, I'm good with that. Now that you spin it that way, I'm, I'm on board. The, the best match I saw over the last seven days – was the five way on SmackDown with with Moss, really Sami Zayn, Corbin, Ricochet, Sheamus wins it. But it was not only the match, but the emotion from the crowd. Guys, that used to be a crowd every week. 
every night in, in some wrestling arena in the country. The crowd was so behind Sami Zayn. It just did my heart good to see, first of all, wrestling back in Canada, but just because they were so behind Sami Zayn. And everyone, you know, everywhere else, Sami Zayn's a good wrestler in some places. Oh, you know, he's a comedy wrestler, but he, he just elevated his own game being in his own home country. They loved it. I loved the emotion of that match. Uh, and it was good on top of that, too. So that was my favorite match of the last seven days. You could feel the heartbreak of the crowd when he hit the haluva kick, went for the pin, and then got pulled off. Yeah. You know, like that, like for, for a second, for a brief second, that Montreal crowd thought that Sami Zayn was going to go over at home and go on challenge for the Intercontinental Championship. They were so behind. You know, ultimately, you know, they still gave the cheer to Sheamus when he won, but you could tell there was a little, like, they respected what happened. But there was a little bit of disappointment when Sami Zayn didn't end up winning that champion or that that championship contenders match for the uh, for the Intercontinental Championship, which is going to be happening at Clash of the Castle. Which, by the way, we're going to have two pay per views to break down and preview next week because we have Clash of the Castle September third. We have All Out September fourth. Still have to see what that main event for All Out is going to be. So many things to talk about in the world of professional wrestling, and you can catch it all next week right here on G. K. 